and we're in the middle of talking about biblical inerrancy and the Chicago Statement on Inerrancy. Uh, I have gone through, I'm going to just touch on some of the things we already, just in case, as a review, in case you've joined us, it's radio too, so people jump in and out of the radio all the time. So the uh, Chicago Statement of Biblical Inerrancy was uh, written back in 1978, um, and it uh, in its preface, it says the authority of Scripture is a key issue for the Christian church. To stray from Scripture in faith or conduct or conduct is uh, disloyalty to our master. So it's an important thing. We've got to take this seriously. If we reject the Bible, we're rejecting God's Word, and that doesn't come without consequence. So th- they begin with a short statement of five bullet points. One of them is talking about uh, how God is the truth, and so he reveals himself in the Holy Scriptures. They are therefore truth since it's his Word, and it testifies to who Jesus Christ is uh, as a creator, Lord, redeemer, and judge. Uh, and then it goes on to talk about uh, the Word. It's written by men, but it's superintended by the Holy Spirit as these men write it. Um, and because the Holy Spirit is involved, we are to believe it. <laughs> it, is, it, it, is, uh, it is for our instruction. It is to be obeyed. God is making commands in it, uh, and it makes promises that we can trust. And then it talks about the uh, Holy Spirit, that it authenticates His Word by illuminating the minds and hearts uh, so that those who are believers, who are Christians, followers of Christ, can understand the Scriptures. Uh, and it talks about uh, being holy and verbally God-given, that it's without error, therefore. I might want to talk about some of that. Um, there's no fault in its teaching. Everything that it says about history or about geography or those kinds of things uh, are accurate. There are certain things that wouldn't maybe touch upon. It might be silent on those things, and we're not going to try to make a biblical argument about those things over which it is silent. But where it does speak, we need to take it as authoritative. Um, Holy and verbally God-given is a phrase in one of those bullet points that we uh, did not talk about. Um, The verbal plenary uh, inspiration of Scripture is sometimes a phrase that's used. Um, Anybody want to comment on that? So I'm not just doing a soliloquy. Peter says, right, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, not only for doctrine, but but for reproof and instruction in righteousness. So it's, it's very important. All of Scripture is inspired by God, and it says um, a holy man moved by God wrote down the Scripture. That's in Hebrews, I think, right? Uh, And in Timothy chapter 3 is uh, a noteworthy passage along those lines as well. So there's there's several passages that talk about that the Bible is inspired by God. God told what to write. In fact, in the Old Testament, it's quite explicitly stated many times, and the word of the Lord came to so-and-so saying, write this. Right, So Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all these prophets, even Moses, and the Lord spake and said unto Moses, it, it, all of this, uh, it, it's very clear that God is the one talking. In almost the entire Bible, is it, it's that explicit. And even the parts that aren't specifically stated there, they're covered by Peter and, and the apostles saying, all of Scripture is inspired by God. Now, this final point on the beginning opening short statement before they get into their articles of affirmation and denial is really kind of the crux of the matter here. This is why it's important. The authority of Scripture, so the statement claims, is inescapably impaired if this total divine inerrancy is in any way limited or disregarded or made relative to a view of truth contrary to the Bible's own. And such lapses bring serious loss to both the individual and the church. That's strong 
it's it's very academic and uh, scholarly and uh, winsome at the same time very strident <laughs> right there there's a line in the sand drawn here if you're going to say the bible has errors you just lost the even baby one. and the bathwater right you lost everything even one error because even if even one iota is wrong or untrue in the bible then god is a liar first of all but also imperfect and that cannot be true and and uh, Christianity be a, be a faith. But why can't there be, like, just one mistake? I mean, everybody, everything is entitled to at least one mistake. What, what do we mean by a mistake, <laughs> I think, is also also a good question to ask. Okay. And, there... and how are we, you know, how are we, are we able to demonstrate that it's a mistake using... Um, if it is a meaningful mistake, right? Are we are we able to demonstrate that it's a mistake because of a of a higher authority? Right, because there's differences in translation, which you could call a translator's mistake. But no one's arguing that so and so translator in 1926 was inspired by God. They may have been a very godly person of whatever translation he's translating, but that can still have an error or mistake. That I think is not what we're talking about, Troy. We, we discussed differences in translations a couple of months ago. Right, yeah, we're not saying that those men uh, who were involved, it's almost all, all men, there might be some women somewhere along the line, I don't know, but it's pretty much all men involved in the translation of the Bibles that we read in English today. Uh, they could make a mistake, but that's not what we're talking about because they're not God. We're talking about what God wrote directly through men, that being without it, because God doesn't make mistakes. Right, I mean, it's akin to having a clear cup of water. <clears throat> You drop a, a drop of cyanide in it. Would you drink it? No, the whole thing's contaminated because it has poison in it. If the Bible has any error, any mistake, then none of it's worthwhile or anything. It's just a, it's a fable and a, and a fiction. And that's what the culture has been trying to do for hundreds of years or even thousands of years, trying to disrupt and say this cannot be true because that's the devil's play. <clears throat> the devil is trying to discredit the Bible, showing that it is not true by whatever means necessary. But throughout the history, it's been proven over and over again. All these people that said, oh, this is not true because of this, they've been the one that have been discredited and shown that this, what they said was not true. The Bible was, in fact, true. Let's talk about the uh, where hair splits might happen when we're defining terms. Because David said, well, it depends on what you mean by mistake. So what could we mean by mistake? What do we mean what, you know, when we might use that word? So, I, I mean, there's the, right, there's a, a big kind of mistake, which is something is, uh, is not as it says it is. So if there are, um, you know, if, if there are no such thing as miraculous happenings, right, then that would, that would be a mistake. That would be a, a huge mistake. Right, if if things only happen naturally, I mean right. the Bible I, claiming that they're supernatural would right. be a big well, biblical mistake. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or if if the world was not in fact created in six days, that would be a mistake. The Genesis says the earth was created in six days, the earth and everything in it, and if it in fact took him six months or six years or six millennia, then yeah. But we start to get into 
areas of some interpretational differences there, I think, because there are I some... I would not say so. Not be, about Genesis. Well, I, I would say that about Revelation. We talked about but that there before. are. But I'm, I'm just saying, for people maybe who wouldn't be in the room to defend themselves, and I'm, uh, to be honest, uh, I don't stake a hard claim on that particular issue, because I have too many brothers and sisters in the faith that are inerrantists. They believe the Bible is the authoritative Word of God. They trust everything it says, but they're more, uh, they have a more open view about how to interpret the Genesis passages. And I would argue that if they interpret it differently, then they are not in line with the inerrancy of, of the Bible. Because oh, see, I would disagree with that. Because, you know, what about, because they would make arguments. And again, I'm, I don't stake a claim on this one. I'm, I'm ambivalence is a strong word. I, I think somebody can also... I'm not going to die on that hill, I guess, is what I, I'm I think someone can believe in inerrancy and misinterpret (laughs) you can believe you can believe that the scripture is inerrant and be wrong about something that scripture says you can believe it to say something that it doesn't actually say um what what i'm saying is that but that doesn't contrary to a passage like revelation which is very widely different interpretations and it's also a prophetic book and is very explicitly said to be symbolic in many ways genesis is not such a book It's it's a historical record and so you have to be able to say this is what happened and things like Adam and Eve, the, the fall, the flood, everything that happened literally happened. Yeah, but those who would disagree with that view, and I'm uh, appreciative of the arguments that they make, I'm not sure if I fully agree. Like I said, I, I haven't staked a claim for sure on it, but there is an argument to be made that the first couple of chapters of Genesis are a hybrid of, of prose and poetry. Uh, that there's that there's a structure where the days correspond, where one corresponds to four, two corresponds to five, three corresponds to six, which just echoes that poetic instinct. Um, there's day-age theory. So they're saying six days, but they would argue that each day could be an age. And so, they would use a scripture that says to the Lord, a day is a thousand years. Yeah, but I would ask you, if there was no such thing as evolution, then what you just said would never even come up. Because of the big push of evolution, people are trying to justify the Bible and say, well, I believe the Bible is true, so because I, I believe you know, science and evolution, then it must be this way. But if you use just the Bible to translate the Bible, the Bible to, to, um, to prove the Bible, you would never come up with that situation, ever. But if that enters your field of vision, somebody brings it up because they have a motivation to try to defend evolution. And and they put that thought in your head, like, it could, does the day have to be 24 hours? And yes. then you're like, huh, now that you got me thinking about it, let me examine the text afresh and say, you know what? It could, or it could not. It doesn't explicitly say. Troy, I thought we were going to get into hermeneutics in another yeah. show. Yeah. So anyway, I, but that's, this is a good practical example of where lines sometimes can be drawn and how we were trying to define it. We, well, you started with your, what is a mistake? It's your fault, David. I'm so sorry. So, so, so I think I think the heart of the matter is the there's uh, there's a difference between uh, we make a mistake in our interpretation and God makes a right. mistake in His writing. Correct. So, yeah. yeah. Whatever your interpretation of Genesis, what God said is in fact true, the way that He said it. That is that, that and that would be yes. That's and that, the heart of an error. That's the heart of it. Okay. So let's move on to the Articles of Affirmation then, because we'll get into hermeneutics. <laughs> maybe the Genesis thing will come up again, or maybe that could be a whole. Oh, I assure you, it will come up. Separate slate of, <laughs> of shows. 
So I'm going to do a couple at a time because there's, uh, there's like 19 or 20 articles. And so in the interest of time, we'll just try to tackle a couple at a time. And if that seems like it's too much, then I'll, I'll slow down. But uh, Article 1, we affirm that the Holy Scriptures are to be received as the authoritative word of God. We deny the scriptures receive their authority from the church, tradition, or any other human source. We that's, affirm that that's the scriptures... Very, that's very important. I want to pause for a second on that. Well, I think okay. the second one actually echoes it to some degree. We, okay. uh, we affirm that the scriptures are the supreme written norm by which God binds the conscience and that the authority of the church is subordinate to that of scripture. We deny that church creeds, councils, or declarations have authority greater than or equal to the authority of the Bible. It's now, all ironic to say that <laughs> while making a declaration by the yeah. church. All of our uh, all of our Roman Catholic friends are, uh, are are not happy with that part of the articles. Yes, and I've had discussions with Catholics, including very recently, where you know that is one of the one of the two most important differences between the Protestant Church and the Catholic Church. One is the inerrancy of Scripture, and and that Scripture supersedes the Pope and and Church tradition. And the other one is justification by faith. But in this case, yeah, if other people can change what Scripture says, then these people are more important than God. And that's the problem. Church tradition is made by people, and, and people are fallible. So that's really, really important that the, the church is not more important than God. Um, I am not a cessationist. I don't believe God has stopped speaking to people or, or giving prophecy. But if and when, and, and you know, many people are... I do believe that when the canon was closed, there are no other prophecies. There are no other other, um, inspired words of God. I'm not going to rule out that there couldn't ever be any other inspired words that God says. But if and when those are shown to exist, they cannot contradict Scripture. Because if they do, then they are wrong. Scripture does not contradict itself. Um, And and then that would just be a tradition of the church that, you know, you could say this is a good thing to do, but it's not Scripture. And just along, you know, in reference to prophecy, like there's a there's a difference between, uh, you know, and <clears throat> with the Holy Spirit indwelling us, right? God, uh, God does work through believers, right, to uh, to accomplish his his work in the world, and so uh, we may say things that are from God for the moment for the people who are present. That doesn't mean right. that it is a word for all of God's people for all of time, which is what the biblical scriptures are. Right. And I think what, what's not being said here is that uh, church councils or creeds or you know, authority structures in the church, traditions within the church have absolutely no value whatsoever. They're not saying that. They're just saying whatever value they have, and I think that the men who are involved in this writing this statement would have a high view of those things, they're under Scripture. Subordinate. Right. Everything has Scripture at the top, and everything else is underneath that. And, yeah, I, I understand nobody in this room is a Roman Catholic to defend their position, uh, and I'm not going to get bogged down in the, in, in the textual transmission questions and all that sort of thing. If we can get a Roman Catholic to join us, we could have a debate specifically on that, perhaps, because that could be a series of shows all by itself, and I don't want to get bogged down on that. We got bogged down on, enough on the um, what's a mistake question that David threw out there. I'm going to let him wear that one for a while. All right, article uh, 3 and 4. 3 says, We affirm that the written word in its entirety is revelation given by God. 
We deny the Bible is merely a witness to revelation or only becomes revelation in encounter or depends on the responses of men for its validity. And then four, you can keep you want to stop there? You, you want to make, I'll go on to the next one real quick. We affirm that God who made mankind in his image has used language as a means of revelation. We deny that human language is so limited by our creatureliness that it is rendered inadequate as a vehicle for divine revelation. We further deny that the corruption of human culture and language through sin has thwarted God's work of inspiration. I think these two actually kind of go together yeah. uh, to, to a certain degree as well. It speaks against a very common practice in American church, quote-unquote, Bible studies, right? What does it mean to you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of speaking against that, aren't they? Yeah. What else do you yeah. think they're speaking for and against? Well, <clears throat> you, we have heard in, in many religions practice this thought, and this is, again, the, the Catholic Church, um, to some extent, uh, uh, Islam as a religion also believes this, that God is, because God is so great and so perfect, that even our own language is insufficient for him to express anything to us, which is a different thing. I, what they're not saying here is that our language, uh, you know, doesn't limit God at all. Obviously, God does have to fit whatever he's saying into something we can understand. So there's a lot that we don't understand still. But what he does intend to convey to us is conveyed the way he wants it to be conveyed. It's not changed or diminished by just because he's... <clears throat> yeah, he accommodates I, us. I, well, I feel like the essence of that is God is not limited by our limitations. Right. We're limited, he's not, and he yeah. accommodates our limitations. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I think I might be talking about here is the postmodern reading. Where it's uh, it, it's it's reader response. It's it's uh, authorial intent isn't what matters. It doesn't matter what the author thought it meant. I, as the reader, get to decide what it means. That you know that's uh, we see that politically with the Constitution as well, right? That whole I think they're speaking against that too. Well, and it would be good if people understood that in terms of the earlier conversation on mistakes. No, to to put our own interpretation or come up with our own idea of what the scripture is saying is to is to make a mistake all right article five and six we affirm that god's revelation is the holy scriptures in the holy. in the holy scriptures rather was progressive we deny and i don't i don't uh don't don't confuse political labels here <laughs> progressive <laughs> being one after the other it didn't right. happen at once it happened right in order. We deny that later revel of revelation, which may fulfill earlier revelation, ever corrects or contradicts it. We further deny that any normative revelation has been given since the completion of the New Testament writing. Now, this is, talks about what you were talking about before. Yeah. So the first thing on, uh, in that Article 5 is, uh, like, there's no law of abrogation in the Bible. You know, if, if Paul wrote uh, something... Uh, in 1 Corinthians, he doesn't then correct himself in, in 2 Corinthians and say, oh, I got it wrong. This fixes that mistake. Right. right? There can be a progression in thought building upon itself, but never to the point of having to go back and fix a mistake. And then I would actually agree with that second uh, statement. I don't think it actually just uh, speaks against what I was saying. We deny that any normative revelation has been given since the completion of the New Testament writings, meaning we deny that there's any, anything meaningful that actually applies to all of Christians that God has spoken specifically that we should be keeping and, and treasuring and reading and memorizing and all of that. Um, 
But what it does not say here is that that couldn't ever exist. Right. God as, might actually as write now. God might actually write a third testament. That's what they're saying. It is it, he hasn't. Nothing that's been written to date qualifies as that. But we're not going to limit God just by under, our understanding that He won't do that. I mean, we we don't think He will, based on Scripture. It seems to be completed. Um, but the, God is able, capable, and and may in fact speak more. And they go out in Article 6, they go out of their way to make the point that it, the very words themselves, so it's not just the concepts or the, or the overall moral teachings or the general historical presentation of things that's true. Those are true. But each word is right. So it does get down. So you can't just be, well, generally speaking, I believe the Bible to be true. But some of these details here and there, they're, they're arguing against that. I would agree with that argument. Mm-hmm. All right. Looks like we're maybe ready to move on to seven and eight. All right. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes left, so uh, we'll see how quickly we can do seven. Maybe we'll just do seven. Might not have time for seven and eight. So seven. We affirm that inspiration was the work in which God, by his spirit, through human writers, gave us his word. Uh, the origin of Scripture is divine. The mode of divine inspiration remains largely a mystery to us. We deny that inspiration can be reduced to human insight or to heightened states of consciousness of any kind. And, yeah, we got, like, maybe a couple of minutes. So who wants to talk about uh, needing to have some sort of heightened state of consciousness in order to really interact with uh, the Scriptures? You can only understand it when you're high. <laughs> in, or, in order to understand <laughs> Scriptures is what it's saying? When it was written. <clears throat> when it was written? It's saying that it was not written under any other influence. Like, you know, it was, nobody was under, under the influence writing it. Right. Except for that by the Holy Spirit. Okay. All right. Yeah, they didn't have to go up high on a mountain necessarily to be able to uh, to understand what God was saying that they should write down, kind of thing, right? Right. They didn't have to eat mushrooms to find out what God's saying, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll put a rep. So there are. Let me just make sure. We made it through seven, uh, and we also made it through some of the opening statements as well. So we probably made it through the equivalent of, let's say, eight or nine or ten things there's 19 we might have to do maybe the next two shows finishing these out so we'll see and we'll see if, if we we can give ourselves some room to, to to argue a little bit of hermeneutics uh some practical application to some of these debates i suppose but you're right we don't want to get too far afield because we can talk about those things uh later on so let me uh i'm, I'm just all discombobulated now because of that uh technical concern earlier. I think we're back on track. So this is the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD. A panel this week, uh, the, the two Razvi gentlemen, we got Daniel Razvi and his uh, proud papa, Imran Razvi, also known as Raz. They have uh, a website that you can go to and check out some of the ministry things that they're involved with. It's called Conquered by Love, and their website is conqueredbylove.org, and they uh, pastor a church uh, up in Thurmont. Up. You might be listening in Pennsylvania. You're like, no, it's down in Thurmont. Uh, and uh, I've been saying for a long time that David's uh, church that he pastors is um, in southern Frederick County, but it's not technically true. It's more like southeastern Washington uh, we, County, we, right? We met, we met over in Harpers Ferry last Sunday. Oh, West Virginia. Wow. You're like <laughs> multicultural now. <laughs> Anyway, and uh, I'm Troy Skinner, and the church I pastor is Household of Faith in Christ, and we are uh, smack dab in the middle of Frederick County, in uh, basically Frederick City, 
Um, Householdoffaithinchrist.com is our website. So we're going to tackle biblical inerrancy some more next week. I know you can't wait. Um, Till then, wish you all the best. We'll be back about 167 and a half hours from right now. God bless. 